Hey, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Do you get the feel for what Jerusalem was like? You're walking down into this scene. Here's what the Bible says. Luke chapter 19, verse 37. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. They're shouting out blessings on the king. In John chapter 12, verse 13, you see this, the, the scene where they're laying down the palm branches, like rolling out the red carpet as they come into the city. And they're shouting, Hosanna. Jameson mentioned a little earlier, it means save us. It actually connotes like save us now. Like you're coming into the city now. Come, rise up. See, they're, they're, they're wanting to see William Wallace on the horse going back and forth, rallying the troops. I mean, they're ready. They're ready. Jesus is being received as a conquering hero like a Caesar coming into the city on a great white stallion or on an elephant. This would happen a lot. Just really picturing this triumphal entry, yet Jesus, who is described as meek and lowly of heart, he doesn't come in on a great stallion. He comes in on a colt, little donkey. Now let me say he will come on a great stallion. When he comes back, so we got, we got, lowly and meek Jesus. But when Jesus comes back, we're getting UFC, BJ Penn, Conor McGregor Jesus. You know, we're, 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 get, we're getting Jesus coming back all tattered up and ticked off. The, the book of Revelation says that on his thigh and vesture is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let me tell you, there is a time that Jesus will look, that God will look past our sins and he would tolerate it But there is a time where that will stop and there will be no more persistence, no more patience. Jesus will return and he will make everything right. Pastor, why do bad things happen to good people? Let me tell you, just hang on for a little bit. God is going to make all things right. Have you been on the receiving end of injustice? Have you been on the receiving end of abuse? Let me tell you, there is a God in heaven that will not tolerate this stuff and he will bring an end to injustice. He will bring an end to abuse and attacks on our children and chaos in our streets. He will bring an end to murder and greed and slander and gossip and he will set right everything that is crooked and broken. Aren't you glad for that today? I know you're glad, unless you're going to be on the receiving end of that correction. Here's my encouragement to you today. Don't wait until he comes back. Give him your life today. Repent. Seek him today. Make him the Lord of your life and follow him. Jesus is coming back in as a conquering hero. But in just a few days, the same people that hail him as Hosanna, hail him as king, will abandon him, they will deny him. Actually, some will shout, crucify him, crucify him. They'll say, give us Barabbas. They'll choose the worst of the worst to be freed so that Jesus can be crucified. 
You know, we're a lot like them, I think. We want Jesus on our own terms. Let me tell you something. Jesus set the terms of the relationship. And the terms are that he's God and we're not and that we will obey him and follow him. Why? Because he's the king and we are his people. There can only be one king. We want king for a day. We want, hey, we had that tor- those tor- tornadoes coming through. Some of you guys are praying, weren't you? God, if you just get me out of this tornado, I'll be in church on Sunday. I'll actually start tithing. Lord, if you'll just save me from this, if, if you'll just get my family together, if you just help my husband, if you could just help my wife or my children, help my mom or dad, if you just help them through this, if financially we're, we're out of money for the bills, if you just help us through this, it will serve you. We forget about all that stuff. We just want God to bail us out. Listen, God wants people who choose to follow him. We can't have him as king for the day. We're on our own terms. Anyway, some of the Pharisees, verse 39, among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like that. And Jesus replied, this is a a deviation from what he had done previously. He had never responded like this before. He said, if they kept quiet, the stones on the road would burst into cheers. Even the rocks will cry out if they're silent. You know what Jesus had said before anytime someone called him Messiah? He said, don't tell anybody this. This time, as they cried out, Hosanna, say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The Pharisees say, hey, Rabbi, denounce these people for this blasphemy they're committing. And you know what Jesus says? Jesus says, tweet that. Share that. RT that. Give me a follow. Give me a comment. Blow this thing up. Make it go viral. Make this idea be contagious. Tell the whole world. Yes, people were separated from me. They sinned against me. God gave them the law and the prophets and the law and the prophets were rejected. And so here I am now, the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. I'm here to make everything right. I'm calling people to me. Yes, I am king of kings. Yes, I am coming down from the Mount of Olives and I'm coming into the holy city. And yes, I am mad about Lazarus. I'm I'm, I'm mad about my people being separated from me. I'm mad that you have blocked them from worshiping in the temple. I'm upset that you have set up your tables and you're doing all of these things and I'm coming to restore worship so that there will be no man between God and me except for me. There'll be be no mediator between God and man except me. There's no way to the Father except through me and I'm here now. What you gonna do about it? This is what our Jesus did, what our Savior, what our Savior did. And then as he shifts from that, he begins to look at the city and the Bible says that he weeps. Verse 41, but as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people would understand the way to peace. 
But now it is too late. The peace is hidden and peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and your enemies will build ramparts against, uh, and, and your enemies will encircle you and close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. He's weeping for what's gonna happen. Let me tell you, in your own life, when you choose not to set Jesus as the king over your life, he weeps for the consequences you will face from your own decisions. Do you understand? I mean, it's not only that God is wanting you to do what he's asked you to do, but he's weeping because of the consequences of your choice of the lordship that you have given to other things. You know, whenever we're talking about relationships and coming up, we have this power couples message series and we'll be talking about relationships and we'll talk about some of the reasons for why you should get married and, you know, rather than living with someone and how that living with someone actually brings consequences, psychological, financial consequences that are different than if you would trust the Lord and do things his way. He weeps not just because of your disobedience, but also because of the pain that we bring on ourselves. So he's weeping. He's weeping that they're still subject to a life separated from his lordship and relationship. You know what? He's, weep, he's weeping, though, because he is a meek man. He is not weeping because he is a weak man. Jesus was not weak. Now, the Bible in Matthew chapter eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus says, I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. And I think we think that we get this mental picture of some scrawny you know beat poet jesus that that's you know this real gangly hunched over jesus that's beaten down and weak he jesus was meek he was not he was not weak Meekness is not weakness. And Jesus shows that in his physical person. Jesus was a carpenter. Have you ever met a scrawny carpenter? I'm talking about a 33-year-old hammer-swinging Jewish roughneck joker that could build things and take care of his single mom who had lost her husband. Jesus was providing for a family that he didn't birth. He should have been on the receiving end, yet he's caring not only for his mother, but his half-brother James and his half-brother Jude. And he had people following him. Listen, strong men like Peter don't follow weak men like the kind of Jesus that we see in some pictures. Our Jesus was strong. He was a warrior. In fact, when he was crucified, uh, before he was crucified, when he was beaten, scourged with that cat of nine tails, beaten to a bloody pulp, bone exposed in his side. You may have been able to see his organs as those, that cat of nine tails with skull, and, uh, with bone and, and, and glass and rock would pull away the meat right off of his back. And after experiencing all that, you know what my Jesus did? is he picked up his own cross and he carried it all the way on up to Calvary. This was no weak man. This was a strong man. Jesus was strong. He was not weak, but he was meek. You know, we need more strong men. 
I'm so tired of this culture trying to make men weak. You know, our families need strong men. Our community needs strong men. You know, strong men are made by tough times. And strong men will make tough times better. Weak men make for tough times. Jesus was a strong man in a tough time. And he rose to the occasion. Jesus was not weak, he was strong, he was meek. You know, a meek man doesn't respond to an offense because he chooses not to respond. But a weak man doesn't respond to an offense because he can't respond. I just got to brag on my daughter this week. You, I, you know what? I, I, I can't help it. Courtney is a soccer player. She's one bad mamma jamma of a soccer player too. And I mean, in that goal, like five foot 10, got that long reach. She's beautiful. She's up here leading worship. Incredible. I love you, baby. She, they, they pulled her from goalkeeper. Usually she'll play center back. They put her up in a forward. They're going to let her score a goal in the game. She's gotten one this season on a penalty kick, but they're going to bring her out and let her score. And when she came in, somebody just, they were ready for her. When they inbounds the ball, man, she got hit like Curry and Copeland on Gino Toretta in the 1992 Sugar Bowl. I don't know if you remember that game. I mean, it was like a Ray Lewis hit. It was, it, I mean, talking linebacker hit. Man, she's down on the ground. I mean, like with a thud. It looked like a car accident. She never even saw it coming. She was blindsided. And as quick as she fell down, she popped up and twisted around like, and I'm just like, I'm keeping the video going for this one. <laughs> it was awesome. And you know what? I was feeling sorry for anybody she was going to get in a fight with. But I'll tell you what she did. As quick as she jumped up, then she snapped back around and walked away from the fight. She never brushed off her legs. She never felt her arms. She never checked for blood. She didn't do it. She didn't dab the tears off her eyes. She just walked right back and got right in the game like nothing happened. You know what? That was not weakness that she didn't fight. That was strength under control. That's meekness. We need more Christians, more people that will be strong, but will control their strength. This is who Jesus was. There is nothing that he couldn't do. He could have walked into Jerusalem and flattened those jokers in there and it would have been all over. He could have on the cross called on the angels and they, they even said, why don't you do this? He didn't do it because he, though he was strength, though he hung every star in the sky and set the, the laws that govern nature, though he did all of those things, he chose to take pain and suffering and even death on the cross so that we could have life. His control of his strength is what gave us life. This is the Messiah that we had coming into this city. And so in verse 45, the Bible tells us what he does with his strength. Then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. Jesus was not happy. He turned over the tables. He chased everyone out in this moment. He cleansed the temple. 
Now, what was the issue here? The issue was that people were coming into the temple, and on this case, from all over into Jerusalem so that they could sacrifice during this holy time. And when they were coming in, the money changers were exchanging Roman money for temple coins. And as they did that currency exchange, you know, if you've ever had to do a currency exchange going flying international or something, you give them a dollar and then they trim off like a percentage just for changing the money. And whatever you do, if you travel travel internationally, you need to get some foreign currency. Don't get it at the airport. Get as far from the airport as you can where you get a better exchange rate. Well, in the temple, they were charging these high prices. Let me tell you something else you should never do. Well, not that you should never do it. But just know that they're going to take you for a ride. When you go to the movie theater, a $2 Coca-Cola costs you like seven bucks. This is the same thing. When you went into the temple, there was only one temple. You go into the temple and now you have to buy a temple dove. You have to, you have to buy a sacrificial animal and you're paying $7 for something that should have cost $2. And Jesus is saying, people have come from all over to worship me and I came from eternity to uh, prepare a way for them to worship me. And this joker sitting here is blocking them from being able to come in and worship. And this is the awesome thing about God. God wants all people from everywhere, every nationality, every tongue, every socioeconomic status, every age to be able to worship him. And he does not take kindly to people who stop people from worshiping the Lord. This is one of the reasons why the Bible says that if anyone harms one of these little children, they may as well have a millstone hung around their neck and thrown into the sea. Do not mess with God's people that are trying to worship him. Jesus comes in to set that right. This was the sin. I want to pause here for just a second. And rather than us just looking at what happened in this temple, I want us to ask ourselves this same question. Are you a bridge or a barrier to people coming to Jesus Christ? Are you blocking people by your life and by your words as they try to make their way to the Lord? Are you a stumbling block or a stepping stone to people coming to Christ? Are you making it easy for people to know Jesus or are you making it more difficult? You know, with Easter right around the corner, we have a chance, and not only that, but today we'll be receiving communion. We have a chance to examine ourselves and see if there's anything that's keeping people from coming to Christ because of our own lives. Now, let me tell you something really quickly, something of note here is this is not the first time that Jesus did this in the temple. If you go over to John chapter two, the Bible tells us that he did the same thing, except on that time, he came in with a whip. He made his own whip and came in and drove people out of the temple. That's pretty cool. Why did he have to do it twice? Why do you have to repent more than once? Why do you have to work so hard to keep the temptations that are after you and the sin that does so easily beset you? Why do you have to work on them? Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if we could just come and bring our baggage to the altar and we pray and we never have to deal with that troubled situation again? It's not really how it works, is it? Here's how I imagine it happened in the temple. Jesus drives the money changers out, flips over the tables. There's animals running all over the place. He, you know, free Willy is going on right there. 
in the temple. And they're all gone. They don't want any part of that. The next week of worship, no money changers there. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, a couple months go by. Somebody's having a hard time meeting their mortgage and they're remembering all of the good sales that they had there in the temple. The money changers, blocking people, robbing God, robbing people. Somebody said, I got to provide for my family. They go and set up their table. And you know what didn't happen? Jesus didn't drive them out with a whip again. He waited until later in Luke. Somebody else saw that this guy had a corner on the market. He's the only one selling right there. And he's going, he's setting his own prices. Table number two goes up. It's like, man, everybody's doing it now. Table number three, the whole place is covered up again. This is what Jesus rides into. This is our lives. This is our lives. We come to Jesus. Our relationship with him is fresh and new and good. And we walk out. Has anybody ever had an experience in the altar where you walked out of church feeling like you had had a bath on the inside of your heart? And you walk out and life beats you up. And the farther you get away from that moment, the less real it feels and the more of a grind that life feels like until your heart that's been bowed to God now finds itself competing with things of the world. Here's what I'd like to say to you today is don't ever stop going after God and turning over the tables in your own life. Pathway Church, God has called us to be holy as God is holy. Please place your trust in Jesus Christ. Please pray a sinner's prayer. Please confess your, your sins to Jesus. Please confess Jesus is the Lord of your life. But after you do that, walk out and make your life obey what your words in your heart just said. Bring your family along. Bring your friends along. Pray to the Lord for your church and for your community. And you ask God that he would do this thing in all of our lives. The reason there are two temple cleansings is because you have to clean out of your clean sin out of your life repeated let me tell you to the day that you die you're going to struggle with sin to the day that you die I don't care who you are you're going to have to battle sin pastor I don't want to battle sin listen to me church battle sin here hear me be killing sin or sin will be killing you we can play defense or we can play offense. Let's get out there. Let's take our city back. Let's take our uh, church back. Let's, let's take our neighborhood back. You know, let's, let's take our families back. There's nobody that has authority over our families like we do. Mom, dad, speak life over your children. Declare the good things of God over our children. Here's what I believe is if you'll get your kids into the house of the Lord, listen. Let me tell you, I love you. Pathway, I love you. You hear me? Airport campus, I love you. Listen to me. Get your kids in church every single time church is happening. Not just your kids, but you come to church. Get in church. Hear the word of God. We're being indoctrinated by the entire world. We get just a little bit of time together to rally the troops. Then mothers and fathers, go be the priests of your home and raise up your children and purify your life before the Lord. We need God to do a cleansing work in our lives. This is what we need. This is what the world needs today. Pastor, I, I just need a little bit of faith. I need just a little bit of religion. 
No, you don't need a little bit of faith. You need a whole lot of Jesus. You need a whole lot of the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to empower you so that you would be victorious in this life. This is not just about a prayer. This is about having victory in Jesus Christ. It's an old story, but it's a new day. And that old story and that testimony of Jesus functioning in our lives, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the enemy. God wants to do that work in us. It's not old fashioned, it's good. It's good. Somebody once said to Billy Graham, Billy Graham is gonna set his, Billy Graham's preaching is gonna set preaching back, gonna set the church back 50 years. And Billy Graham said, oh, I'm sorry. I had hoped my preaching would set back the church 2,000 years. We need a resurrected Jesus and an empowered Holy Spirit life for the church so that we can become victorious in this day. Every single school, every single workplace, victorious in Christ Jesus. Amen. Is there anybody who would say, Pastor, I don't want Jesus as a king for the day. I want Jesus as the king of my life forever. Is that, does that bear witness with anybody? Does anybody say, that's my life. That's a life I want to live. That's where I want to be. I know I have days where I come up short, but I want those days to be fewer and farther between. And I want Jesus to be powerful in my life. I want to have victory wherever I go. Is that you just lift up your hand right now? Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us slash give. We'll see you next week.